1: Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Gallyus Anderson, it down behind his head, Sanku
2: Smith. The tip is good at the buzzer! Now it's time for the tip
1: You hear that wonderful intro music, you know what it is, the Hangtime Podcast. Right here on NBA.com. Seku Smith, your host here from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. My co host, Lang Whitaker, Yo. Editor of Slam Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. We are, uh, we are dabbling in all things basketball here today. And uh, behind the glass here at the head- headquarters here, Lang, we have Micah Hart, uh, mm-hmm. super producer. Did you know that Micah is a proud alum of a high school in Jackson, Mississippi that still condones corporal punishment? of its students
2: well i don't know that they can donate
1: oh i think so i mean micah was micah was high-fiving doing air high-fives the other day when he found out that it was his school that made good morning america for its basketball coach beating his players
3: we don't make the news that often that's (laughs) all i'm saying i mean no shame whatsoever never mind the poor
1: kids getting beat to death micah's like hey
3: my high school well, the funny thing is, in reading the Jackson paper about it, is that it does appear that corporal punishment is still legal uh, across a lot of Mississippi. I did not know that. I didn't even know that was legal anywhere still, period. So it's funny to me that possibly, technically, he wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> technically speaking. Well, I mean, the guy took a two-by-two
1: board lang and, and went to town on some players. Um, I, I don't know what they did to y'all. At North Atlanta High School, Lang, uh, I can only imagine.
2: Um, there was nothing like that. <laughs> I took plenty of abuse on the basketball team, but it was all verbal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least you didn't get paddled at basketball practice. Micah, I don't even want to know. I'm not even going to ask. Christy, don't don't ask him. Just leave him alone in there. Don't ask him about what went on at Murray High School during his heyday. But uh, we are here once again. Uh, the Hang Time Podcast, as always. Great show lined up today. A couple of really good guests for you. Uh, John Hollinger of ESPN.com will join us later in the show. And also we got a special guest, uh, NBA player Josh McRoberts of the Indiana Pacers is going to uh, be with us. So, Lang, we're ten games in. Uh, You know, the world was coming to an end late last week when the the Miami Heat lost for the second time this season to the Boston Celtics. I certainly – went into, you know, to hyperanalyze overreaction mode and started talking about why the Heat are, are not going to be able to get past the Celtics, you know, seven months from now or whatever it is. What was your reaction after watching them yet again struggle
2: uh, against that Boston team? The, the season's three weeks old, <laughs> <laughs> basically. I mean, you know, look, if the playoffs started next week, yeah, then, then you're like, wow, okay, they've sure. got some issues here. But I think we're still so early and, and – you know, I, it's going to change a lot between now and, and May or whenever the playoffs start. So, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's a little too early to hit the panic button.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have have kind of talked about that. One thing I noticed though that was really interesting: there's this the school of thought that because of the way Miami wins its games, right, that's less of a of a worry than the fact that they've lost a few. Um, I don't know that I'm I'm necessarily concerned with who they're beating up on. I know they've beaten a bunch of teams that don't have winning records and they've lost, you know, to some of the better teams they've played. I just feel I just feel like watching them they have a couple of issues that have to be worked out between now and the postseason or they're basically going to run into the same sorts of matchup problems against a team like the Celtics or even the Lakers if they were to get that far. In yeah, the but playoffs. I mean,
2: don't you think they realize that? Yeah, but I mean, you can't you can't exactly
1: get better if there's just a fundamental flaw in your makeup. You know what I mean? Right. It's not a, it's not about just, hey, we recognize we got a huge problem right here, but we don't have a tool to fix it. Like there's not a there's not another point guard on the roster that's gonna fix that issue. There's not another big man on the current roster who can shore up the problem that Chris Bosch is having dealing with Kevin Garnett and these types of players in the front court. So I, I get that it's a little early to panic about it, but my point my, my bigger point i think in the blog last week and certainly now is that these aren't things that are going to go away just because they'll have time to figure it out
2: well you know as you said there's not another point guard on the roster that could solve those problems but do you think there's another player on the roster that could solve those problems uh, do you know what i mean like maybe yeah. I mean, maybe they shift wade there more or lebron or yeah. I, I think it was charles was talking about it on TNT the other night how Le- lebron should be their point guard and he should be you know he's one of the best point guards in the league if you play him at point guard um so maybe that's the answer or or you know maybe they're gonna have to go get another player or two which is going to be hard to do because they don't they don't have a lot left in the cupboard there to go out and and make moves um but obviously they got to do something and but you know that's it like last night the the suns beat the lakers and and Gentry, I think you wrote about it on the Hangtime blog. Gentry yeah. was like, "Guys, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> no. we're, we're early here. We got a lot of time left. So yes, I, yeah. There's plenty of time."
1: Yeah, no. He, I mean, in that when I read what Gentry was saying about it, it kind of woke me up and was like, "You know, calm down. You know, relax. Early in the season." But this, I I totally disagree with Charles and a lot of the other people who say that LeBron is their best option at point guard. I I covered the series Dwayne Wade's rookie year. I covered two series actually. They played New Orleans in the first round, I believe. Um, and then they played Indiana in the uh, in the second round of the playoffs. Wade was a really good point guard on that team when he had Lamar Odom and yeah. those other guys with him in Miami. Eddie Jones was still there. I mean, they had yeah. a seasoned team. Wade was fantastic on the ball on offense and defense. He's obviously evolved since then from the player he was his rookie year. But I I would almost feel better if Wade had the ball in his hands and was kind of controlling things for Miami more so than LeBron. And it's not it's not anything against LeBron. It's more about the fact that i think wade's the guy who has to have the ball in his hands to get going in yeah. from what i've seen so far i well, could see lebron still thriving without being the main ball handler
2: even i think even the last two seasons wade wasn't you know the 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 point guard but there was a lot of times especially in the playoffs the last two years where the he would bring the ball down give it to wade at the top of the key and clear everyone out yeah and and he's got that knack for you know, with two dribbles getting from the top of the key through about three guys to the rim and either drawing the foul or getting the bucket. And, uh, you know, but he he wasn't as uh, he, he wasn't asked as much the last two years, I think, to to be able to, to facilitate the other guys. He was just yeah. kind of creating for himself. Uh, and so that's something we haven't really seen him do that much of, I think, and. and that's something that if he's going to take over that point guard role or, or the lead guard role that he's going to have to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe we need to re it needs a reclassification too, but speaking of point guards, the three of the most, you know, dazzling performers, even I know we're 10 games in, we keep making sure that we qualify that three point guards that are playing lights out, you know, Chris Paul, Darren Williams, and Rajon Rondo, all three point guards, Coincidentally, all three have have had their way with the Heat, but those three guys specifically, in in a deep deep point guard crop in the league right now, would you say they're playing head and shoulders maybe above even Derrick Rose uh, and some of those other guys who are right on their heels?
2: Yeah, I mean Walls played great too. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think those three guys. I mean, and and you know Nash is in there too. I right. think. Um, Westbrook's played well. Um, There's a lot. I I think we're kind of in the era or the year of the point guard maybe. Um, There's so many really good guards. Uh, And they're also different, you know. Um, Maybe Chris Paul and Darren are the closest in terms of style and that they're great at setting other guys up, but they can score for themselves. But they play differently because of – uh, Darren's a lot bigger than Chris is. Right. Chris is, seems to be faster than Darren is. But, you know, Rondo's not really looking to score, but, but he, he's throwing out 20 assists a night. Right. Um, Wall can get to the bucket against anyone. He's the fastest guy in the league maybe. Um, so I, I think it's a great – for those of us who like point guards, this is a, uh, it's a really fun time uh, to watch the NBA.
3: We talked about this uh, in the office the other day about Rondo's assists. I mean, he's averaging, you know, he's kind of on a historic pace right now. Do you guys think he can keep that up the whole season? Like, could we be looking at a potential assist record if anyone even would be that excited about that?
2: I don't know if people would be excited. I think we could see an assist record, but I don't think people would be, you know, I don't think that's going to make like a Sports Center countdown or whatever every (laughs) night, you know. Um, But, yeah, he he has – was it, he's averaging 15 assists a game? Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: I, I would say, can he keep that pace up all year? That that would be tough, you know, because you would have to go out basically night after night with on a mission to you know to to get those sorts of numbers, and I don't mean that. I think he is, but you have to, you'd have to go out every night with the with the idea that I'm going to set up everybody on this team all night. I don't know that during the course of the season they're going to need him to do that all the time. Now they may.
2: He's they... only uh, I just brought up his stat. He he's had one game this year with single digit assists. Right. Right. Here's from from uh, opening night. He's had 17, 9, 24, 17, 15, 11, 10, 15, 16, 17.
3: Yeah. yeah the the 24 assist night, that's one of the things that sort of stood out to me so far this season is I've seen like some crazy statistical games like Ooh. Kevin Love's 30 30. I mean, yeah. things that we haven't yeah. seen for a long time,
1: yeah. I don't, know. I mean, I, I guess it's global warming. I don't, you know, <laughs> who knows? I mean, 31 and 31 points and 31 rebounds the other night for Kevin Love, ridiculous, yeah. You know, if I'm to me, that's that's like being the dude on the other team and Kobe's got 78 points and you're going, okay, you're gonna foul him now, right? Well, when Kevin Love gets to 26 rebounds. Who's the goon that's letting him get thirty? You know, it's like. Come but on, you know what? Mike. I don't.
2: I think there's like certain instances, like Kobe that night, like Kevin Love the other night, probably like Rondo that night, where the guy's just unstoppable. Yeah, you're right. you're right. It doesn't like matter what you do, he's gonna get it. You know, like and uh, that game the other night with, when Love was just going off, that that was uh, I thought it was really remarkable to watch. Well, he followed up with 22 points and 17 boards against the yeah. Hawks.
1: I mean, it's not like. 31 is out of the ordinary, but it's not...
2: It's not like if I had
1: 31 (laughs) rebounds in a game. (laughs) It's not a complete departure from what he does on a nightly basis. Uh, You're right, though, Micah. It it has been an interesting first 10 games or so uh, for just weird superlatives. Like, you know, the Indiana Pacers went 20-21 the other night (laughs) in a quarter. I mean, how... And 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 we talked about We're going to talk with Josh McRoberts. Believe me, we're going to ask him how he feels to go down in the annals of Pacers history as the guy who ruined perfection uh, because he took the last shot. And and, and that's why they were 20 for 21 instead of 20 for 20. Uh, But, I mean, I don't even understand how we would get this many crazy performances like this in such a short span. Everybody talked about this, Lank, being the most anticipated NBA season in forever. Mostly because they were thinking of the Heat, but it's been a it's been a pretty interesting interesting season all the way around. I'm talking coast
2: to coast, you know, everywhere. Oh, I totally agree, and I, I think you know the the you know we talked about this last week with 3D, but uh, you know, they, I mean, we talked about the Heat and the, and these guys. You know, the, we're, no one's really talking about the Lakers, yeah. <laughs> the the Celtics, or the Magic as as teams that are, and the Magic, you know, they're six and three, but I, I mean, Boston's eight and two, LA's eight and two. I mean, they, and they're all playing really, really solid basketball so far.
1: Well, the Spurs, I mean, it's a yeah. team that nobody really discusses when they talk about championships, but if you're going to win one and obviously everybody assumes that, you know, you have to go through a Lakers team that's pretty, you know, pretty tight top to bottom uh, out West, but uh, you talk about a team with the parts needed to to play championship basketball. That is definitely what the Spurs could do. Nobody's even mentioned the undefeated Hornets, who uh, nope. are undefeated as of this, this moment. Uh, I know they have a big game against Dallas, you know, coming up. I think they got a, a two-game set with Dallas, which could yeah. change things. But nobody even talks about the Hornets. I mean, they're undefeated; they're the only undefeated team in the league, and nobody talks about them being a legitimate, con- you know, championship contender. So uh. it, it everything – I mean, the season has been – through three weeks, and I and I'm I can't wait till we get like past Christmas so we can stop qualifying everything by saying I know we're only three weeks in or I know we're only ten games deep. Right. I, I'm I'm glad this is all living up to the hype that that it was given, uh, you know, throughout the summer and you know early in in training camp and everything. I'm glad this season and the play is is you know living up to all of that hype.
2: I agree. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so been fun to watch. Like I, I was thinking this this year is probably the most value I've gotten from my league pass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because every night there's something going on, and you got to flip over and see, yes. you know, see some guys putting up 30 rebounds or some guy with 20 assists or whatever. Yes, I'm a
1: league pass disciple, by the way. Like, and and I will admit, in years past, you know, you, you would, you know, you go, oh yeah, I got you know league pass. You want to flick around? There were some games you just would not bother watching now that that late clippers game whoever they're playing or the warriors you know who are playing really well this year and and scoring up a ton and and just playing exciting basketball you're watching these games i i think you're getting your money's worth personally if if you got league pass
2: there's always a fun team that you don't really suspect that becomes like the league pass team (laughs) you know like i think it was 2002 the jazz had a lot of guys get injured and 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 but they kept winning and and they were or they were at least in every game, and it was fun to watch every night because they they would come out with these guys and, and stay close or make a run or be, you know, and they just kept running that system every night and um, I've seen people this year talk about the Wizards being a great and, league yeah. pass team, yeah. Um, and I I think there's for me there's always some West Coast team that I kind of come to. Because it's late at night and I can right. just you know watch a game before I go to bed, and Golden State seems like the early leader in the clubhouse for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I my uh my league pass team right now, and it's it's strictly about Blake Griffin is the Clippers. I know they're they're a bit of a train wreck, you know, with with what's going on with Barron, which is hard to explain. I thought this was going to be a, a big year for him and for the Clippers. I thought they would be a team that kind of kind of uh, win you know rose up the pack a little bit in, right. in the West, and it hasn't happened. But I watch most of the time just to see Blake Griffin. Um, yeah. you know, And I, I'm anticipating these games where he – I need to see him on the court with Dwight Howard. Um, right. With Josh Smith. With some of these other young guys who play above the rim. Because I want to see where, where he fits. Like, is he in that same category? It looks great now, but I haven't seen him against enough of, of these other guys to, to gauge just how ridiculous he is. But I certainly like what I've seen so far, so – um, and we, and you mentioned, you know, Utah, we haven't even talked about the jazz and what they've done the last week. I know, you know, comeback wins from, you know, from double digits all over the, all over the map. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. But again, um, another shameless plug for league pass. Uh, <laughs> if I do say so myself, like uh, it is worth the cash. I agree. Like I mentioned at the top Lang, we, we were going to have a couple of uh, special guests on the show this week. Um, First guy we're going to catch up with is, is one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, you know, and this is definitely a hometown bias. I, I lived in Indianapolis for a few years, you know, covering the Pacers. And, um, in fact, I probably – people in Indianapolis still looking for me probably uh, for some of the stuff I damaged when I was there. I don't uh, know about that. <laughs> but uh, Josh McRoberts of the Indiana Pacers is joining us. Uh, one of my faves, like I mentioned. Uh,
4: Josh, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. I'm uh,
1: excited. Yeah, man. We—I've uh, been trying to spread the word, uh, and I've and I've been coming up, you know, with all kinds of crazy uh, slogans and everything. I'm trying to make sure that I don't go to Los Angeles this year and and miss you in the dunk contest because I'm assuming, watching your highlights so far this year and watching all that you did last year, you—you're definitely a man who's interested in in participating in the NBA dunk contest
4: absolutely i'm definitely interested i would love to uh i'd love to do it i don't know i don't i'm don't. i don't, I'm not saying i would win it or anything but i'm saying i would uh i would love to be in it and have the opportunity too
2: josh hey well, this is lang from slam magazine have you ever been in a dunk contest before
4: yeah i was in uh i was in one dunk contest i was in the mcdonald's all-american dunk contest in 2005 uh-huh. uh, my senior year of high school uh Went into overtime with uh, Gerald Green. He got, me, he got me. in overtime.
2: That's pretty good, though, to take Gerald Green into overtime.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he did. I think he he did something. He threw it off the backboard and went through his legs or something. I didn't have much of a chance after that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, now, Josh, what's the what's the craziest dunk you've ever done? Like everybody has some old backyard footage of something crazy they did. What's the what's the wildest thing you've actually completed? Like in terms of a dunk,
4: I don't i used to be i used to jump over people all the time that was back in high school and that's that's probably i haven't, I haven't tried it in a while i'm sure i could still do it but probably just not the smartest thing probably just doing it in like uh in the driveway or something at the park right. something like that probably 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 not the smartest thing i've ever tried but uh i'm sure i could still do it if i need if need be yeah
2: what's well, the best what's the best game dunk you've pulled off
4: oh that's tough to say i've had a few i've had a few good ones um I'm trying to think I had I had one in college uh I think but I can I've I've had a I've had a few good ones I I couldn't I couldn't 10.1.
1: Yeah, okay. Lane, you obviously haven't seen uh our tribute to and Josh am we're no longer referring to you as Mick Bob. I heard you've moved on from the Mick Bob <laughs> nickname. What's what's the new what's the new uh nickname?
4: I don't know if it's a new nickname. Everyone <laughs> Everyone, everyone just called me uh, Mac or J Mac my whole life. So, okay. All right. Bob, I don't know where that came from. I think it's like internet lingo or something. That's I love number, it, but no one, it. no one really calls me that. But if you, if you want to stick with it, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you special permission. That's what I'm
1: talking about. I love, <laughs> hey, I love the McBob. Not I'm partial because we've been, we put together a bunch of uh, clips on, on the Hangtime Vlog, just some of your more ridiculous uh, dunks that you've had since last season. I've been trying to educate the the masses that you know. You were you were the the number 1 high school player in the country at one point ranked by a couple of services in high school. Talk to every I mean just tell people about your story like when you went to Duke, you played at Duke and then you kind of fell off the radar for a hot second after that.
4: Yeah, I uh I went to Duke for 2 years, left after my sophomore year. Uh slid down in the draft, ended up going uh, to Portland in the early second round. Uh got hurt in training camp. Uh like the second day of training camp hurt my career about I was out for a couple months ended up going down to uh Idaho for a few weeks uh kind of bouncing back and forth between Idaho and Portland um and then ended up in the summertime getting traded back to uh to the Pacers so this is my third season here at the Pacers fourth season in the league um and just kind of getting an opportunity um and I'm, I'm just lucky to be back in my hometown I'm from Indianapolis originally so Just really blessed to be back, uh, back at home playing for playing for the Pacers.
2: Josh, did you did what did you take from that experience in the D League? I know a lot of there's something like sixty guys this year in the NBA have played in the D League. What what did that experience teach you, or what did it mean to you?
4: Yeah, I think it was a good experience. Uh, Looking back, I probably didn't have the best attitude about it. I know I didn't. I was I was disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed I wasn't getting a chance uh, really in Portland, and just kind of frustrated with myself and frustrated with the just the situation to have to try to play in the D League, but uh, looking back at it and looking at it uh, kind of removed from it, I think it was a great great experience. It helped me become uh, a lot more professional, helped me uh, just uh, grow up a lot, I think, just be on my own um, in Idaho and, and, and getting the opportunity to play minutes and, and kind of just uh, realize what the NBA, NBA is really about. I think it really helped me uh, to mature.
1: Josh, so many guys, you know, grow up wanting to play in the league, and then there are only a handful of you who get to play – for your hometown team, I can only imagine what that, that line of cars must look like back and forth to game days coming from <laughs> Columbia. Uh, and how many tickets you must have to round up, you know, every night. What What's that like, being able to, to come back now at this point in your career, a starter, you know, for your hometown team? And, and how has the community around there rallied around you?
4: Yeah, it's been great. I think uh, there's the ne- definitely now that I'm playing a little bit more, there's definitely more ticket requests for for me. <laughs> so I just, I just, we only get three a game though, so they go to my mom, and then everybody else has to fight for them if I find some extras <laughs> laying around. But uh, uh, yeah, it's been it's been great to be back at home and just kind of be, be around my family, be around my friends that I grew up with. Uh, just for them to be able to see me, it's, it's a special opportunity. I mean, uh, especially after being in Portland, it kind of helped me appreciate it even more because Portland, they can't send you much farther away from <laughs> Indiana <laughs> than Portland. You know, you're, you're a three-, four-hour flight away. So right. to be back home and kind of uh, sharing share an awesome experience of being in the NBA with, with the people who helped get me there, um, it, it's special.
2: Josh, you talked about, you know, maturing a little bit the last few years, Do, and now that you're – Getting the opportunity to play, and you're putting up numbers. Like, do you think not just maturity, but opportunity is is key to to kind of making it and sticking in the NBA?
4: Yeah, I do. I really do. I think that uh, opportunity is is a big part of it. I mean, probably the the most important aspect of it. Uh, there's not I mean, there's every every player in the NBA can play. You know, every yeah. player is is a good player. They wouldn't be uh, where they're at. So, just yeah, getting the opportunity and um, and earning that opportunity, I think is. It's something mm-hmm. that uh that plays a huge role, obviously, yeah.
1: You know, it's it's funny, Josh. I had to uh slap box with some people in the office the other day. When the when you guys had that twenty for twenty one quarter and I <laughs> and I had been talking you up and everybody goes, Yeah, I see your boy. He took the last shot and, you know, cost him yeah. a perfect quarter. I said, Listen, he had to i t- I'm, I'm uh, help me out. I said he had to take the shot.
4: You yeah, had no had- choice, right? yeah we had no idea i mean what am I gonna do just hold what am I gonna look like standing there on top of the key letting like four seconds run exactly. off the clock just standing there like I had no idea we were twenty for twenty, so uh I shoot it again anyways I exactly. think like i I'm, I'm wide open I thought it was going in i would have it would have been twenty one for twenty one even exactly. better. But, you I, know, I, somebody had to be some i mean it's a good, like I said, like I said that day, it's a good record to screw up, you know. Like, uh, if we're in that position, I'll take that in the next uh, 74 games or whatever it is. I'll screw it up every time if no I ask question.
1: No question. I had to fight Micah Hart. Our producer, I, he and I got into a fist fight almost about this.
4: I appreciate you have <laughs> my
2: back. Like I got that. your back. Don't worry about that. Josh, did you guys really not know you were 20 for 20 at that point?
4: No, none of the guys. Like, I think myself and Mike Dunleavy were on the court pretty much the whole time. I mean, of right. course, Mike was because he wasn't missing. I was just out there trying to set some screens, get them open. Uh, I didn't notice. All I knew was I wasn't getting any offensive rebounds. That's about all I thought. That's the only way I thought about it. But I didn't know. The guys on the bench knew we were 20 for 20, I guess. And and uh, But I was on the court the whole time, and no one said anything to, to me about it. So if they would have, I would probably would have tried to get it back to Mike or, or taken another, take another step in or something. I don't know. I kind of put it up there with a second left. I could probably right. have another second to kind of uh, take my time with it.
1: Josh, do you feel like – through all of this that this team has finally kind of gotten to the point where you can make a serious challenge, you know, to become a playoff team. This group of guys you have now with Darren Carlson added, you know, Danny playing you know at the All-Star level he's played and now Roy and the rest of that supporting cast, Mike Dunleavy back and healthy. Are you guys ready yet to to take that step to becoming a playoff team?
4: I hope so. I think that's uh I think we're all optimistic. I think um it's it's a long season though as you know. I mean, there's a lot that goes into uh, becoming a playoff team. Sure. Uh, both on the court and just keeping guys healthy, being being able to have those guys on the court, um, there's a lot that goes into it. But I think we're optimistic, uh, kind of at the start of the season here, and I I see no reason why we can't be if we continue to improve. I think we have we have a lot of room to improve on, uh, things to improve on. Obviously, we're not one of the top tier teams in the East, but I think we definitely can uh, make a great a great run at, at a playoff push and and hopefully get into the playoffs and make some noise once we're there.
2: Josh, let's look ahead. Uh... But only until the all star break. That's right.
4: To the dunk contest.
2: <laughs> so like what do we what do we gotta do to get you the con do we need to like do you have to fill out an application?
4: Or? I don't know. I was gonna ask y'all the same thing. That's what that's what we need to do. I think uh Seiku's taking care of me on the on the uh internet campaign, I think. But, that's right. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, got, I guess I gotta hit hit the streets start shaking hands and kissing babies or something. I don't I don't know what I don't know what we gotta do. But uh I I'm not sure. I think uh I, I'm not, I'm not sure what we have to do. We got to we got to look into it. But I would love to uh, get the opportunity.
1: Listen, all, right. all you got to do is is keep doing what you're doing on the floor. Lang and I and the rest of the folks here at the Hangtime Podcast, we're gonna we're gonna beat the streets and get these <laughs> petitions signed and make sure that you're there. Listen, it's worked in the past. Shannon Brown had a campaign last year that got him to the dunk contest. There's no reason why Josh McRoberts shouldn't be there this year in L.A.
4: Well, I appreciate it, and I'll I'll do whatever you need me to do. We'll get we'll get it we'll get it taken care of.
1: No doubt, man. Listen, Josh McRoberts, the Indiana Pacers, join us on the Hang Time Podcast. Listen, tell David Benner, Chrissy Myers, and all those people in PR with the Pacers, we are coming for them. They got some work to do. (laughs) I'll let them know. All right, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Thanks Josh. All right, man. Uh, This listen, that's the first of many NBA players who are going to be on the show. We we got to start. We got to start a trend here, yeah. We got to make this the forum for guys like Josh McRoberts who need a shot now. He he needs an opportunity to get on that big stage. You know, it's worked in the past, like I mentioned. You know, last year we had the "Let Shannon Dunk" campaign, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got to get something going for my man McBob here, and and this is if this is the only place that, where anybody refers to him as McBob, so be it. Um. I You're the yeah, only I, one who refers to it. I listen, man. I, you got permission. We all heard it. You heard it. I got express permission, written permission slip from the man himself, Josh McRoberts, a.k.a. McBob, on the Hangtime podcast, announcing his candidacy, his, you know, a street movement now. We're talking about a grassroots movement starting right here to get him in the dunk contest in Los Angeles. Micah, you better get, you better get to work. I'm serious now.
3: You know, he should start like a like a like a Twitter and any uh, anytime he's got a good dunk, you it's know. has gotta go put the, up, put the footage out there. It's gotta
1: go up. This listen, in this day and age, there there are a million different ways you can attack this thing. And I and I love any guy who's who seems like he's having a great time playing. The thing I liked about his story, Lang though, is that he had to take his lumps, you know, you go from being the hot shot high school recruit, you go to Duke for a couple years, things maybe don't work out. You know, you lick your wounds, you go to the D league and then you come back and now you see him having a chance to thrive a little bit in a, in a great situation with the Pacers.
2: Well, in a way, it reminds me, you know, last week when we were talking to Jeannie bus about how not only did, you know, she was born into a great opportunity, but she made the most of it,
4: you know, and
2: she, she didn't let it slip by and, you know, maybe the way Josh was playing wasn't working and he figured out what he had to do to stick and to play and to get in the league. And, and now we got you all over him trying to get him in the dunk contest, and if <laughs> I get see. him in
1: the dunk contest and Luke Red now in the three point shooting contest or the skills competition, we're talking about Nirvana weekend, baby. <laughs> all star weekend, well,
2: we'll have to get you one of those jerseys that's sewn down the middle with the <laughs> half and half.
1: My boys out there, baby, we get it going. I'm gonna, hey, me and Clipper Daryl are gonna be fighting for for sidewalk space out there. He's, I'm sure he's gonna have his uh his antenna up, making sure Blake Griffin is in the dunk contest. Well, I got my guy too, so, now you know now we got a little ammunition. I like it. All right. Well, listen, before we uh before we get too far crazy here, let's let's transition with our next guest, uh, a good friend of the program, who though he's never been on it. He, you know, he's one of our He's ass. a good friend of all of
2: us who work on the burger. Yeah, that's a better, that's a much better yeah. description.
1: But uh, John Hollinger of ESPN.com, John, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, we 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 know about you know all your different work on ESPN.com. Not many people have their own uh, rating. Um, he has his own stat. Yeah, I mean his own <laughs> statistic. I mean, I I'm not <laughs> sure how you attain that kind of status, but anything any. Pointers you want to
2: give us, or anything you want to let us know, uh, feel free.
0: Uh, I had to grease a lot of
2: palms. <laughs> <laughs> When's it going to be on like box scores, John? Now we got plus minus. When are we going to get <laughs> PER?
0: That's that, that's the next step. Do you there, pronounce There's, a, a, there's P-E-R? a large envelope headed David Stern's way right now.
2: <laughs> Is it PER or PER?
0: I've always said it PER. Okay. Um, but you know, I never really attached a pronunciation guide. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, where where does this uh this whole debate about the the Miami Heat and the Lakers and kind of who should be 8 and 2 or who's you know this this debate about who's the best team in the league or who should be on paper the best team in the league. Where do you stand in terms of where these these guys rank right now?
0: Well, um in terms of how they played so far, I actually think the Hornets played better than both of them the first, <laughs> right. first couple of weeks. Uh, you know, the thing about Miami, I mean, they've lost four very close games and won six games that were not close at all. And uh, if you look historically, uh, teams that have a large margin of victory and that have lost an unusual number of close games and won a lot of games by big margins, they t- they tend, over time, uh, th- that tends to... I don't know if you want to say even out or work in their favor, or uh, but the scoring margin is a better predictor of future success than win-loss record, basically. So mm-hmm. the fact that the Heat are 6-4 doesn't terribly worry me because they still have the best scoring margin in the league. Right. So I, I think they're going to be okay. I mean, the you know, there were some worrying signs in that Boston game. I'll, I'll say that. And, and as much to me, like if they met in a playoff series, there's some weird matchups there for Miami that are, that are going to be difficult. But – I mean, that, that Utah game was a total fluke. I mean, they scored, you know, had Millsap hitting three threes, and, and Utah, which isn't even a good three-point shooting team, made their last five three-pointers in, in regulation there. So, I mean, the, that, was, that was a weird one. And, and you know, the, the sense, because we're only ten games in, it's like, ah, the sky is falling. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I don't really think it's that way for them.
2: Do you, John, you mentioned Utah. You got to see him in person uh, against Atlanta last week did yeah what's your take on that i mean it, it was kind of fluky the way they beat miami but they <laughs> they did it three times last week they came from behind in the you know in the second half and won those games on the road i mean are they for real are they coming into their own do you think you,
0: you know what you know what's a weird thing i'm i'm still not sure they're even that good um i mean they won they won i mean it was an amazing story this road trip and and winning these four games the way they did uh, you know, five games if you include the Clipper game. Right. Um, but, I mean, they've also been blown off the floor a few times. Um, and they – I mean, this this habit of falling behind by double digits every game is going to catch up to them. Uh, they, right. they, need to, they need to start games better. And I think part of the reason they're falling behind by so much is they just don't get a lot of production from their bench guys. Uh, so when they play, like especially in second quarters, when they have – Five bench guys out there it's it's rough for them sometimes, so i think I think that's what's hurting them and and I think on paper coming into this season, there was an expectation that might be what hurt them you know losing corver not having uh not having brewer anymore losing matthews uh it's definitely doesn't appear to be as deep a team as they've had in the past i mean i I give them you know serious props for pulling out all these games but right. in terms of in terms of looking forward um you know Probably, probably about you know, the, borrow Dennis Green's line. They're probably about what, what they thought, <laughs> what we thought they were. You know, kind of a middle playoff seed or whatever. Right. So,
1: John, you have uh, the Hornets atop your your latest power rankings on ESPN.com. Uh, as surprising as that is, how much of a mirage is this start for the Hornets? Do you think? Um, you know, and how much stock should we put into it?
0: Uh, in the shameless plug department, I wrote about that today on my per diem column on ESPN.com. <laughs> but we, we uh, had to ask I, you about I it because we're, think we're not ESPN for Insider, so we had <laughs> to. Ask I ESPN.com <laughs> insider, yes. Sorry. Yes. So um, I, uh, uh, I, I do think they're mostly for real. I mean, the the one thing with them, they have three guys who absolutely have to stay healthy. Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, but also David West and Emeka Okafor because you look at their frontcourt depth and there's just nothing. Uh, so, I mean, Jason Smith has played a little better than expected. But then, you know, you're getting into DJ Benga and Pops Mensa Bonsu. I mean, it gets ugly real fast <laughs> there. Uh, so the health of those guys, I mean, they've had basically perfect health so far, which for any surprise team that's almost always a factor. Uh, but that said, I mean, Monty Williams is getting these guys to defend way better than they did last year. They were 22nd in defensive efficiency last year. They're leading the league right now. I don't think they're going to end up leading the league, but if they can be a top-10 defensive team, you know, CP can take care of the rest. And sure. I do think they'll probably get to 50 wins, get in the playoffs, maybe have, a, maybe have as high as a number-two seed out there. Wow.
1: Do you think that's – I mean, clearly they're the most surprising story, I think, uh, of the young season so far. Positive surprising story. Um, Do you think this is more about Chris Paul's vengeance for what he perceives maybe as a slight, you know, everybody started talking about these other point guards, you know, kind of surpassing him, or he kind of just fell out of the conversation because of that injury last year. you think this is fueled more by Chris Paul or more by Monty Williams and kind of the newness of the whole front office and coaching and operation down there in New Orleans?
0: I, I, think it's, I think it's actually a lot of things coming together at the same time. I mean, mm-hmm. Chris Paul has been fantastic, no question. I mean, I think if you took an MVP vote right now, he wins, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's definitely part of it. But I don't think that's been the only thing either because Dell Demps went and got some pieces that have fit together pretty well uh, in terms of making that bench uh, better. That's always been the problem the last few years in New Orleans is when their starters uh, went mm-hmm. out. You know, the game just got away from them so fast. So that's been an improvement. And then I think they've had guys buy in again at the defensive end, uh, which I didn't think was the case a year ago or even kind of that last half season uh, the year before that, you know, when they uh, kind of limped to the finish and got murdered in the first round of the playoffs uh, by Denver. So sure. I, I I think there's a lot of different things going on there. And then, I mean, making them better defensively too, though, I mean, their wing players are definitely better, more athletic guys and they've had the last few years and that's helped too.
2: John, I know we're talking teams here, but you know, with your PER what player has been the most surprising to you so far this season?
0: Uh probably uh I would say Monte Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh just because like statistically last year, I mean his his uh per game numbers looked really good, but If you looked at all the other stuff, it was kind of disastrous. Like, his true shooting percentage was terrible. He had a really high turnover rate. His plus-minus was about the worst in the league, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Golden State Warriors actually outscored their opponents when Ellis was off the court last year. Uh, So, I mean, statistically, he didn't look like much of a player at all. And it was because he was kind of not really playing smart. I mean, just jacking up a bunch of bad shots, you know, long 20-footers off the dribble early in the clock and, and forcing things wherever he could. And I just feel like he's playing so much smarter this year. Uh, mm. And it showed in his in his uh, numbers. I mean, he's still scoring a lot, but he's doing it so much more efficiently.
1: John, does the PER, does it – I mean, I know nothing is foolproof, but is there a guy whose, whose numbers just don't explain his, his impact on games and – in the way he performs.
0: Well, I think you definitely look at any kind of uh, kind of on-ball defensive guy mm-hmm. isn't going to get his due right. with PER because defense is just such a black box for it. Now we we can track block shots and steals, but what we can't tra- I mean, the guy PER undersold the most of anyone in history is Bruce Bowen because right. it just couldn't it couldn't measure what he did at all. Uh, right. So that that is that is a clear, you know, blind spot. Mm-hmm uh and i think uh we see it now a little like uh Kendrick Perkins last year i think was really undervalued by PER because what what he did you know there's no, there's no stat for pushing a guy out six feet farther than anyone else does. So.
1: <laughs> right. It's, Hulk it's just, Hogan stat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the Hulk Hogan stat, exactly. It,
1: just,
2: it doesn't show up. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've talked about teams and players and all this. I mean, we haven't mentioned the Lakers really at all. who? Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Like, what, are, are, you, are they doing about what you thought they were going to do this year, John, or are they a little ahead of that? Or, or what, What's your take on them thus far? They're
0: roughly what I expect. I mean, they – you know it's funny because if you look back at the last three years, they have played as an extreme offensive team. Anytime Bindem has gone out, and then when he comes back, they play as much more of a defensive team. And that's exactly what happened. What's happened these first ten games is they are number one in offensive efficiency, but in defense they're right around the middle of the pack. In these last two games that they've lost, their defense has been atrocious, and that's how they were in 2008 when they were in the finals. They were that. They were that kind of team, and. In the stretches where they haven't had Bynum the last two years, they've reverted to being that kind of team. So I think that's where Bynum can really help them when he comes back is kind of evening out the offense-defense balance and making them a little more solid. Mm-hmm. John, I, I
1: got a couple of different guys I'm curious about. Uh, the first one I'll ask you about is uh, Amari Stoddum. I don't know if you've seen some of the, the comments he's made uh, now that the, the Knicks are kind of in a, in a hole struggling here. Do you think Amari has – you know, a guy in his position maybe underestimated exactly what he had in Phoenix. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that he had an option necessarily to stay in Phoenix because it, it wasn't exactly his decision to make it. it was some, You know, there was somebody else calling that shot. But do you think he's maybe now realizing just how good he had it from a PR and basketball standpoint playing alongside Steve Nash compared to what he's doing in New York right now?
0: I think it's uh, – well, yeah, I mean, from his quotes clearly. And I think – You know, it's not even just playing with Nash. I think it was having all those shooters and spacing around him because the Knicks right now, they're taking a lot of threes, but they're missing them all. So, you know, teams are just like, all right, fire away. We'll just (laughs) go double Amari again. And you can see that in all the turnovers he's had. I mean, watching the Houston game last night, there were so many times where he put it on the floor and a hand would come in from Mm -hmm. a guy who was two feet closer than he ever was in phoenix because he didn't have to respect you know tony douglas who shot like O for infinity last <laughs> night or or uh uh whoever else was on the perimeter for the Knicks. i mean basically other than gallinari there's there's nobody out there scaring anyone so i i think that's made it a lot tougher it's just there's just not much room to operate for him now
1: and the the other guy i'm curious about in that that same game what what are the rockets going to do i mean they're obviously playing a little better now but what are they going to do with Yao? like where do where do they go from here with Yao and his health and this 24-minute this deal that, that I guess is no longer the 24-minute deal when he gets back? I mean, what what's the plan?
0: It's very interesting because he's looked, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't really looked like Yao yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's the biggest part of the problem is, is they don't know what they have yet, I don't think. Uh, they're still hoping he can come back and be more of that player. I mean, when, at least when I, the games I've seen him, which it seems to me like he's uh, either not jumping or doesn't really want to jump. I mean, it's not like he was a big high flyer or anything. But I've been amazed how many times people have been able to go over his back and get to balls, and sure. that you know that just shouldn't happen when you're seven foot six. So yeah. uh, I just it's it's an almost an unanswerable question sure. at this point. But uh, the other thing is their playing style is. When Yao is out of the game, I mean, they just run and run and run, and it's it's a weird fit now getting him back in. When you have all the, you know, Aaron Brooks and Kevin Martin, they just want to take off, and, sure. and even Skola is pretty happy playing in an open court game. So Yao's kind of kind of become a weird fit on a team that was originally built around him.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know I how they're gonna fix that. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's one of those stranger dilemmas to me Lang and, and John but don't, that,
2: don't you think they could, I mean if Yao's healthy or I mean the I question. don't know if,
1: if he's ever if, is he gonna get healthy You know. yeah
2: I mean if he's healthy it, he's a guy every team in the league would want but yeah. you would also think if he's healthy Houston would want him too <laughs> <laughs> so uh, John who do you I know we're early we're 10 games in but uh, who's your leader in the clubhouse to, to win it all this year
0: I still think Lakers and Heat yeah. at the end of the day. Mm. Um, I you know I picked the Heat before the season, so I you know I, I don't I don't want to change my pick every eight games. Uh, so you know, but I mean it's, it's it's I think it's Miami, L.A. I think Boston has is clearly needs to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one team that I really thought would be like a top notch elite contender that has disappointed me the most is actually not Miami, it's Orlando. Yeah. Uh, they've they've had some a couple bad losses a couple other games that they won but still look terrible mm. uh, you know like this New Jersey game and uh, so I'm, I'm still a little uh, not really feeling them and then uh, I guess San Antonio you can't rule out either
1: have they uh, and we talked about San Antonio a little bit earlier being a, uh, one of these surprise teams John I, I'm kind of baffled at this stage that they're still able you know just mixing the the supporting parts. Um, still able to play at the level they 're playing, knowing how long in the two some of their their biggest stars are
0: yeah well they got they got younger and more athletic this uh this off season though sure. I, I think they they did some things to help them there because I mean Phoenix made them look really old yeah. last spring and uh but especially on on the wings uh they they brought in some younger guys i mean you look at i mean james anderson 's hurt now, but uh, Gary Neal is helping them, I think. I think George mm-hmm. Hill having a healthy Tony Parker is making a big difference because they're getting a lot more transition points now. Uh, I mean, they ran Philadelphia off the floor the other day. It was, it was amazing. Uh, so I think that's really helped them. And then getting Splitter in the middle, I think it's helped them take some of the burden off of Duncan. So yeah. I I do think they're in better shape. They, they really have played a pretty easy schedule. San Antonio, for some reason, every year it seems like the, all their tough games are – Back loaded into the final two months, and they have that long road trip too after the All Star break. So uh, their bigger tests are yet to come, but they're they're banking all these wins now, and that's what you have to do.
2: I was actually looking at their schedule this morning. I think in December they have something like ten of their fourteen games are at home. So, (laughs) as you said, yeah, it's going to get after that when they go on their circus trip. That's where it always uh,
0: the rodeo, the rodeo rodeo trip. Sorry.
2: Uh, yeah. so the Knicks have the circus trip every year when the circus comes to MSG. Uh, anyway, I'll leave that one alone. John, <laughs> Ricky Rubio is a
1: name that, that is uh, on a lot of people's minds. I uh, saw the Outside the Lines report on him. Lang and I talk about him often uh, since Lang Lang
0: was. Lang talks about Ricky Rubio?
2: little bit. <laughs> really? <he likes laughs> only only when asked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, we all
1: have like, our fetishes. Like,
2: how's it going? Yeah. Oh,
0: well, I'm okay, but Ricky <laughs> Rubio <laughs>
2: –
1: we all have our fetishes. Ricky Rubio, <laughs> Luke Riddnard, happens. Um, but uh, what's Ricky Rubio's PER like? What does what he his what is his, he uh, rate? Tra-
0: his translated European numbers? Which <laughs> I have a thing that that translates uh, EuroLeague stats right. to uh, NBA stats. Uh, th- they're not good, oh. um, yeah. and the the main reason they're not good is because it shows him to be like a thirty five percent shooter.
3: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
0: in the NBA. So I and I think that's. That's really the entire thing with Ricky is, is he going to be enough of a scorer to take advantage of his other skills? I mean, he does stuff that very few people in the in the world can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also lacks a skill that almost every other NBA guard has, which sure. is, you know, the ability to shoot, and not just from outside. I mean, he's, he hasn't been a good finisher either. So right. at some point he's got to make some baskets, basically, is, is what it comes down to. And if he does, he'll be uh, a, a good NBA player. And if he, if he doesn't, he's... Uh, Still a still a viable NBA player, but I, you know, wouldn't be any kind of star if he if he if he right. can't put it in the basket. I mean, that's still the name of the game. It's still part of the game, and even sure. guys who have dominated the game in other respects still need to score a little. So
2: yeah, that'd
0: that, be my thought.
1: That ruins that ruins the rest of Lang's week. By the way,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, I mean, I, when you know, when I, I saw him first time I saw him was when he was fifteen, and and the the. The obvious thing about his game then was that he needed to get some sort of jump shot um, to, you know, create a little more space for everyone else and to make defenders play up on him so he can go around him. And uh, he still hasn't shown that he can knock that down consistently.
1: You, th- you think it's impossible, guys, for him to have a, a John Wall-like Presence, you know, John Wall's not a great outside shooter right now, but he does so many other things. Well, know, but John well. Wall's a really but, good Wall's finisher. Such a, yeah, yeah such a, I
0: mean, a, Wall finishes, and Wall actually, I mean, he's he's not a great outside shooter, but he'll he'll at least convert some of them. Right. Uh, whereas Ricky's more, he's more in Rondo territory, I think. Except mm. he's he can't finish at the bo- basket like Rondo either. Right,
1: right. Yeah. You last last guy we want to bring up, John. and We know you you're plenty busy, so we're not going to hold you too long, but i i can't understand why so many people are shocked that Chris Bosch is struggling in his adjustment to playing with the heat um, and I know you know when you see a guy's twenty four and ten or whatever he was in Toronto, you just assume that those numbers translate to any situation. Is there a good statistical explanation for why Bosch is struggling the way he is? I mean his rebounding numbers are basically in half um, yeah
0: that's that's the one that that kills me that I just can't figure out at all yeah. because I thought. I mean, he was a good offensive rebounder in Toronto, and I thought with all the attention on LeBron and Wade, that he would just feast on second shots, just yeah. you know, get five putback dunks a game just from all the attention the other guys were getting. And instead, he's been completely invisible on the glass, and that, I mean, I am I am baffled. I have no answer for that. But yeah. that is that to me is the main reason that he's been such a disappointment so far is because uh, it's you know you figured he was going to get less touches and kind of the primary offense because LeBron and Wade would be handling the ball so much but I just thought there'd be so many more opportunities for him when when defenses rotated and just had to leave him and he could just feast on that and he hasn't
1: yeah mm-hmm. I'm wondering it too uh, if if we get late in the season and Bosch still hasn't kind of found his niche on this team does he become you know the does he become the Achilles heel of that team in the playoffs where they just can't compete without they, I don't know if maybe they need to make a move. Maybe they need to add somebody else to that front court to, to make sure that's not the case. But I'm wondering if he becomes the guy that's kind of the, he's already been scapegoated by a lot of people is the, the reason they're not playing very well right now. But I'm wondering if he becomes a bigger scapegoat as the season goes on.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I think he's, he's, he becomes an easy target that way. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Kind of like, I mean, uh, probably not quite to this extent, but, you know, the way Baron Davis is with the Clippers, I mean, they have lots of other problems besides <laughs> Baron Davis, but he's, he's kind of the one that's under the magnifying glass. So, yeah, I, I could see that, uh, but I, I can't imagine them making any kind of move with him.
1: No, not with uh, Bucs. I've just been adding somebody else to, to kind of have his back, you know. I mean, oh, even yeah, you know, I mean,
0: I think, I, think they, I think they have been searching for that all summer and right. will continue searching for that, and right. just they, they don't have any cards problem yeah
2: yeah even if Bosch is playing well i think they they definitely need some more help in the front court i mean look these games they've lost a lot of the times it's guys in the post just killing them so yeah
1: yeah Yeah. it's gonna be very interesting uh john hollinger espn.com uh so glad you could join us and uh we will see you, I'm sure, in an arena uh, somewhere around the way here. Uh, I that... think
0: I think I will see you in an arena in an arena within a few miles of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, let's, don't don't give away all our secrets, John. <laughs> we got to make <laughs> <laughs> But listen, we th- we we really want to thank you for coming on. We appreciate it so much, and be sure to everybody to check out uh, all of John stuff at ESPN.com. All right, thanks for all right, having me, guys. Thanks,
2: man. Thanks,
1: John. All right, Langwell. We've had a full show today, Lang. Uh, Josh McRoberts, and you know certainly our, our campaign that is kicking up here today for uh, the Josh McRoberts to the Dunk Contest campaign. Uh, also, John Hollinger of ESPN.com joined us, uh, and we, we appreciate both those guys so much, making the show entertaining and interesting as always. Langston, I will uh, see you next week, hopefully. I know it's uh, going to be a holiday week. Uh, maybe you can uh, find your way down here to the studio and – We'll see you save me,
2: me, me some turkey, I'll be there. There will be no turkey. Oh. Uh,
1: I'm, going, I'm going vegetarian now. I'm going to – no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to have to put <laughs> ducking in here, okay? We're going to do it big for Thanksgiving. Micah, be ready now. I need you to bring some side dishes. We're going to do it big for Thanksgiving next week, all right? Listen, Seku.
3: all I want to know is that the smartest Spartans aren't going to take any uh, any cues from the Murrah Mustangs.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. We will not be beating the children with two-by-twos. T- two you couldn't even get a two-by-four. This guy's beating you with a half of a whipping stick. Come on, man. Listen, the Hangtime Podcast, we're out of here. Once again, we appreciate you for joining us. See you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seiku and Lang on Twitter at SeikuSmithNBA and Lang with us. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.